Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessie Park Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and Nick Villaney. By the sounds of things in the pre-pod chat, all of us looking at having a, a pretty chill New Year's Eve tonight, hence why we're recording a, a podcast, I guess. Yeah, New, New Year's Eve is about the most overrated holiday in the entire existence of humanity. And uh, look, tomorrow's January 1st, so let's get going. Yeah, I agree. It's just another day. We we move, we do things. It's just the date changes and, and, and we move on. So yeah, it's otherwise look but it's also, you know, we can also call it commitment to the pod. So I I, I you know we can we can say that as that's well. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No because I want everyone to know that like we are fun people. It's just we've decided this <laughs> this night is not for us. Like yeah. let me yeah. clarify. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're coming to you today with a bit of a mailbag episode, but as always in the in the world of Chelsea, there's plenty of news to chat through as well. So I think we're going to kick off this episode with a little bit of chat about Sophie Ingalls' contract extension, which was announced, I believe, on my birthday, which was exciting. Um, I, it, it wasn't, it, I, that wasn't, it's a coincidence, I wasn't involved. Uh, <laughs> but it was a nice present from the club to me. Uh, Sophie Ingle signing until 2025, um, a two-year contract extension, which definitely took me a little bit by surprise, given her age. Um, but we've spoken extensively about her kind of return to form this season, I think. But Nick, she's been ever-present, basically, in this side since she returned to the club in 2018-19. In Can you sum up how important she is, not just this season, but, you know, in the past five seasons? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... There's been long stretches where she's been our only available midfielder in any capacity uh, during that time. Uh, certainly, you know, she's filled in at center back when we lacked those for a period. Like, her flexibility has been tremendous. She scores uh, banger goals when she wants, of course, only when she wants. And this season has really done a phenomenal job of adapting to the new, uh, I think, attacking style that Emma's trying to play with all of these different, we, we lovingly call this the amorphous blob uh, of attackers, but all these different attackers, all these different formations, all these different uh, lanes of passing, and she's really stepped in to do a phenomenal job, uh, has really been the constant in, in this in this midfield. Uh, you know, Aaron's been out for a couple of matches, then, you know, she'll fill in with Jesse Fleming or another combination thereof. So uh, it's been a really important asset to have in the team. If you can extend these sorts of assets, it's a lot cheaper than going to find uh, someone else in the market um, to, to fill that role. And so I'm glad Chelsea have done this. And to me, Abdullah, this is just another one of the signings that I think the new board at Chelsea are making, maybe that the old board wouldn't have made, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, th- I think they've they've recognized that this team is has gelled well, and I think Sophie Ingles contribute. I, I think a lot of Sophie Ingles' contract has come from the fact that she's just stepped up so much in the last in this first half of the season, right? And with her doing this and and being this comfortable partner next to someone like Aaron Cuthbert, they're like, all right, you know, extend her for a couple of more years. And it gives them more time to groom that next player in in, the, in that number six position to sit next to Erin. Erin's young, right? So she's got a long career there. Uh, but Sophie's obviously in her 30s now. So it it makes sense. And, and I mean, listen, the way she's playing, it doesn't require extensive physical output. She she just, she can easily, you know, be a long, you know, playing for the next four years and she could perform at a similar level and, and be, you know, go well. Probably my only 
my only thing will be let's see how she does you know as we get into the season and the more she plays because she's you know she's heavily relied on but other than that i think it's i think it's a shrewd signing because even if they do bring someone in over the summer that rotation that you have between the new player and sophie engel is is like no other so yeah i'm, I'm happy with this you make a really good point there right because I think a lot of us are used to the chaos of the Chelsea men's team and signings filling gaps that have been there for seasons, right? <laughs> like they just get thrown in there and then, you know, go do it. Go perform at your best. Uh, Emma doesn't do that. Uh, Emma's a lot more careful and considered with the way that she embeds new players into the team. And yeah, this to me feels like an insurance policy. Um, Jesse against you know, doing something that could upset the balance of the midfield if you were to bring a new player in without that, you know, sort of uh, experience that, that Sophie Engel has. And then we've seen players like this, especially as they kind of get into the twilight of their career, be mentors for the new players that are coming in that, you know, really help to pass the torch to that next generation. And um, certainly she's not at that point in her career yet, but you know, you could see that in a, in a future state for her too, because she is one of the, the leaders of the team. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important that to think about that this Chelsea midfield still feels in flux around the return of Melly Leupoltz, who I think is a player we're assuming we're going to see presumably early-ish in 2023, given that she has spent some time training with the team. Although of course the club's going to, kind of allow her to, to take as long as she needs to to come back to, to full fitness and, and to playing football after having her, her baby. But I think it kind of sums up Sophie Ingle's versatility and the way she's, I think, also kind of stepped into that leadership role, like you're talking about, that we see her do for Wales as well. Um, and maybe just understand a bit more her limits. I feel like that's something that I think has maybe changed this season for her that in the past she's perhaps tried to do much too much and that's led to her being caught out of position, for example. Um, whereas now I think, you know, seeing Erin grow into that role as an eight and maybe be able to offer her that support to have a defence that's potentially more settled behind her that she feels is more reliable. It's those kind of things that are allowing her to play some of her best football, I think, that we've seen in, in recent seasons. And that's also testament to Emma's management. Because what you want your manager to do is to say, and it's funny because I think sometimes, you know, all this stuff about Chelsea hoarding players is kind of thrown out or just like buying to fill the gap. And I actually think Emma Hayes is one of the best in the business when it comes to being like, this is what I've got. How do I make it even a higher level? Like, obviously, these are quality players, right? But, you know, the way she's used, I think Sophie Ingle is a fantastic example of how you can see a player's limitations and actually turn that kind of stuff into your strengths to to the extent Abdullah where you know do we still see the defensive midfielder role as as a transfer priority because you know last year that was pretty much the only thing we spoke about I, I feel yeah no I agree with you I think I think if if this continues then I don't think it's a problem like you said I think it all do, really does depend on Melanie Leupold's coming back and, and kind of how she performs and I think if we can see even two months of of even a 70% Melanie Leupold's playing in this team and, and coming in, then you've got three players there who arguably can rotate between themselves and you have a top-class midfield every single game, right? Unless there is a... Um, 
there's a dire need. I mean, okay, I would say then I would agree with you that maybe it's not exactly a need, but then at the same time, like, okay, you maybe want two per position. Since you're playing a double pivot, you want maybe four players to be in there, right? Unless you're then saying, all right, Jesse Fleming, we're going to make you into an eight. And then like Ingle and Leupold can be the sixes. Uh, Aaron Kasper and Justin Lamb can be the eights. And then you can kind of rotate with those four. So you could do that. But I think if, unless it's like a, a big big name comes up and there's a really good opportunity for like uh like let's just i'm just throwing out a name this is not anything that i'm just hypothetical let's say lena obedorf's available you know and you want to you and you can go and get lena obedorf you I go love and get this lena. world i love the world that you're living in by i the know way. Right? i know yeah. <laughs> but, it must be great in your head yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's 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 a playground i love it if there is a lena obedorf type player available i would say screw everything else you go and get it right yeah but, of course it, it, at the end of the day, I think with these three, I think it's really good. It's just, I, for me, it's that fourth position slot. Like, do you, do you then, tr- do you trust Fleming and say, all right, we think you're good enough to play as a number eight and that's your new home and you will compete with Aaron Cuthbert for that position? If they think so, then I don't think it's a priority. If they don't, then they might need to go and uh, pick somebody else up and, and, and work from there. Well, something that I think is interesting as well, and Nick, I'd be intrigued to see what you think about this, is Emma Sanders was actually reporting today that potentially Chelsea might recall Charlotte Wardlaw, who's on loan at Liverpool for not having had enough minutes. And that's an interesting thing to think about, Nick, whether it's worth, you know, bringing a younger player back and accepting that if they're not getting the minutes on loan, like, do you think, oh, loan her back out somewhere else as if she gets minutes? Or do you think, well, like we were talking about with Sophie Ingle as maybe more of this mentor role, this is someone who is looking to become a central midfielder. Like, let's bring her back in, give her six months and and see what we can give her in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about, you know, when the academy kids on the men's side come and train, you know, with the men's team and especially over the World Cup, right? Um, those minutes are valuable, really, really valuable, even if they don't play a whole lot. I mean, to me having that experience training against the level, right. That you're trying to achieve and understanding where that is and getting coached by, you know, Emma and uh, in this case, Sophie, you know, for, for an example, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, If you aren't playing, you might as well be learning. And, you know, to, I, I think the last point I'd make on, on Sophie is like, I, I think we fast forwarded a little bit. She's playing some of her best football this year. Like, I don't see her moving out of this role. She has Kadisha behind her to clean up any sort of mess that gets through. Uh, I I think she is critical to how everything happens in the Champions League for Chelsea. Um, she, she's a, a critical component to that. So I really hope that she is able to stay healthy and the rest of the team is able to stay healthy in 2023. Because I don't see the midfield balance kind of working without her right now. That's that's my point of view on that. Yeah, and on top of the two-year extension, we should just extend our congratulations as well because Sophia Ingle was named in the New Year's Honours, bestowed with an OBE for services to football and role as Wales captain, uh, saying after being presented with the award, I'm truly honoured to receive this. It is a huge honour for not only myself, but my family and all those involved with the Welsh women's side who have worked tirelessly to help the platform be where it is today. So great to see Sophie Ingle getting her flowers, both in terms of a nice new contract and with an honour as well from the country. Um, Chelsea are heading off to a warm weather training camp. 
uh, next Thursday, uh, going to Spain, which sounds lovely, to be honest. I wish I was going on a warm weather training camp before the resumption of the WSL season on the 15th of January. But Abdullah, how important is it to, to have some time to finesse kind of outside of the context of, of the league and England? I wish the warm weather training, which is usually is over here, I wish they were coming here instead of going to Spain. So, but you know, you know, I'll, we'll take what we can get. No, I, I think, I think it's important. I think going away for a week or so just to kind of recharge. I mean, it's, I mean, you, you can tell me better than anybody else. It's cold there, so um, it's, it's. I, I would assume that just training in. A weather where you can actually stand outside and not freeze to death, I think, is 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 one thing. And and just being able, I think, change of scenery is always good, right? Whatever you do in any facet of life, if you have once once in a while, you want to change the scenery, you want to step away from what you're used to, and you want to go away and 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 refresh yourself. And even and a week is you know a few days to a week is is more than enough to do that. And I think it'll give them a good um, good clear headspace. They can go out. Do some training, have some time off, enjoy the enjoy the weather and, and, and enjoy the place and come back fresh for, for awesome place. And I think I think just generally it's just important to do that. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a it's a really good uh, it's a really good move. Yeah, I mean this is not a new concept, right? This has been happening for ages, but I do think seeing the sun is a good thing and you know, treating it you know, you know, ML will treat this like a, a business meeting for the entire time, but tra- you know, treating yourself a little bit to something that isn't you know, your your day to day reality is always good. Um, so, you know, hopefully the sun is exactly what these guys need, and they come back and uh, and put one on Arsenal. All right, yeah, um, will be interesting to see if we see any more content kind of coming out of that. I think definitely the most interesting thing is the cup clubs sort of going in for this and publicizing it. It is a long break after all. I mean, Chelsea not as long as some other teams who aren't in the Champions League, but and you know, play your last game on the 22nd of December and your next on the 15th of January. Um it'll be interesting to see whether any friendlies or anything get get added in there. But uh we're going to take a quick ad break. When we come back, we are going to get into your questions. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right. Thanks to sponsors for supporting the show. Um, Nick, there's lots of exciting things going on in the world of London is blue. I'm going to hand over to you to uh, shout about all of them. I'm going to shout. Um, all right. So first things first, we have a new newsletter uh, called the uh, London is blue dispatch. Um, Dan has taken up writing uh, the first couple. I think we're all going to take a rotation in there. Um, but sign up for that. The link's on our Twitter bio, and, and you can go get it through all the links that we put out on social. 
Uh, second, uh, if you are considering uh, coming over for the March trip that we've talked about through XL Tours, uh, get those registrations, questions, uh, deposits in as soon as you can. Uh, on the women's side, it will either be Brighton at home or potentially the Conti Cup final that we go to, um, which would be pretty neat. Um, so just kind of have that in mind if, if you're listening to this pod with a, a Chelsea women's slant on there. And then uh, finally, of course, uh, we have all sorts of merch available post holidays, post gift cards, all sorts of stuff. So uh, get into our Shopify store. You can just search London is Blue Shopify and, and get yourself a, a nice piece, piece of merch like a Queen's Meadow shirt, for example. So all good. Lots of exciting things going on there. But we are going to get into your questions now from the mailbag, kicking off with a nice look back over the year that's come in from Meg at Mega Hearn. What has been your favorite game of 2022? Abdullah, I'll come to you first on this one. Oh, I, you know, I saw this question earlier uh, when we were going through it, and I was like, what is my favorite game of, of, of the first half season? And, it, and, it, and I was thinking back, and, and we went there. But I think if I, if I had to pick, I think favorite in the sense of, um, I think it was just it was an important game, but I think the first Champions League group game against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. I think in the overall context of the Champions League and the way it went last season, getting that win against Paris away from home, first Champions League group stage, the nerves would have been there. And to, to, to produce whatever type of performance they did and come out 1-0 victors away in Paris, I think was was massive. So for me, that's probably from a from a, from that perspective, I think it was probably my, my favorite game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go a little off the beaten path with this. Um, I think if you remember back to last spring, Chelsea still chasing the league. Um, they play against Spurs. I, it, they play at Burnett, right, Jesse? Yeah, yeah. Not this season, but last season. Last were, season, yeah. yeah. So uh, it, the pitch was among the worst I've ever seen. The ball was bouncing all over the place. Chelsea go down a player um, after a rash challenge from AKB. Um, and the it was the day I knew we were going to win the league because it – took a champion's performance to go and win that match and to kind of prove that, you know, despite all the uh, shortcomings of, of that game in particular and, and of that pitch that we were just going to go uh, steamroll the rest of the season. And so I, I love those kinds of performances. I love the backs against the wall, you know, just go out and prove that you're the, you know, presumptive winners of the league. So that one to me really stands out and it was, it was one that I knew, you know, right after that Emma was really pumped about too. So I think you, you kind of look at her after some of these performances and it's, you know, maybe a little muted, maybe whatever. That one she was uh she was pretty pumped about. Yeah, that was definitely one where I thought, oh my god, that how on earth there is no way we, we come back from this and uh absolutely ridiculous Jesse Fleming goal in oh, that man. match as well. Truly yes. one of the best of the season. But this frees me up perfectly to take uh, Chelsea United at Kings Meadow, the final game of the WSL season. Just, I mean, it has to be like the standout game, especially because obviously Nick was there as well. Um, that was that, really, you know, the cherry on top, obviously. <laughs> uh, but there were a couple of nice goals, nice goals as well. Not quite as good as going to the pub with Nick afterwards, but you know, Sam Kerr, she brought her own, uh, her own bit of fun and you know I think having had I don't know it just felt like that whole day all the tension that had come within the WSL season and 
having had the disappointment of going out of the Champions League and coming to terms with all that, and it was just like Kings Meadow was just so drenched in sun and the goals were so good and it felt like everything came together. And even that thing of like having to come from behind, it just made it all so much sweeter. So yeah, truly one of my absolute favorite games ever, really. Not even just 2022. Um, all right, looking ahead now, this will be a question for about next year. Nick, I'll come to you first on this one. JC at Ganazinga asking, predictions for which player will surprise in the second half of the season? Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, surprise is hard with this team because they're all really good. So it's like you see this team coming together and you're like, oh, I'm really surprised. I think you brought up one earlier, though, that I'm going to steal, which is Melly Lupols, who we haven't seen in some time. It will feel, if she does indeed come back, we don't know if, if she will yet, it must be said, it will feel like a new signing. And I know that gets said a lot, but, I mean, pretty dynamic box-to-box midfielder that, you know, we've we've lacked for a, a couple of uh, seasons now, uh, injuries and pregnancy and all sorts of stuff. So this is a, a real a real player and one that I'm really looking forward to coming maybe around Champions League time. Who knows? Hmm. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> um, I've got two in mind, but I'm just trying to think which... I've been trying to think which one do I think would have more of a surprise than the other. But um, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Kankovic. I know she's played a couple of games and we've seen a couple of good good, good flashes, but I think with Penela being injured and, and, and not being fully fit yet, and we're going to see after we manage her going into the next few months, but... I think she could become a really big key player. I mean, if she settles into the side, we've already seen that she's gets she's used to the system. She can play well in it, but you know, it's just their levels, you know, to this game. And I think, I think maybe by the end of the season, we're sitting there going, you know, Kankovic made a massive difference when, uh, you know, when there was no Penela was injured, or if, if you know, if anybody else does get injured, that she steps in and really takes the creative burden and becomes this uh, this leader uh, in this number ten role. So for me, I think it'll be. Kankovic, but I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to think who, who you think, Jesse. Yeah, I'm going less predictive and more manifesting. But the player I want to surprise, and maybe this wouldn't be a surprise, maybe it'd be a continuation of trajectory, but I think if she could get where I think she could get, it would be a surprise, is Neve Charles. Because I feel like what we've seen in the first half of the season is a player who could make either of those fullback roles her own nailed down there's a world cup coming up i still think england are pretty weak at fullback she lost her place in the england squad but i think it's up for the taking if she wants it and i think what we've seen from her so far has shown how much she's improved and i just hope that we see her maybe take that next step and have a really important role to play in what's hopefully going to be a very successful second half of the season um it's so hard to predict with emma and those fullback positions especially because it's almost like we have everyone and no one there's like no clear favorite but there's a number of players who are very good in those roles but I feel like Neve Charles is the one who I look at and think you can make this your own um and I really really hope we see that she's been one of my favorites to watch this year I think easily the most improved player so far this season without a doubt on this squad like we all knew what Lauren James could do before this I don't know if we knew that 
we would design set pieces for Neve Charles. You know, like that that's a, a really interesting uh dynamic that's kind of popped up this year. So yeah, I that's a really good shout. The other one I would just make as an honorable mention is Jess Carter, who we haven't seen a whole lot of so far this year. I think there could be a point this season, whether it's injuries or just rotation, that you're going to see a lot of Jess, Char- Jess Carter, who I think had her best season last year, still is playing really well this year in spurts. So that's another one that, that could be a bit of a surprise. All right, let's pivot to a question about goalkeepers here, coming in from Abdisan at honest underscore CFC underscore fan. Who's the best ATM, AKB or Z? Abdullah, you can uh, you can go first on this one. <laughs> All initials today, baby. All uh, initials. <laughs> hey, hey, will you please take this one? It was too good not to rhyme it as well. Oh god, sure, I'll I'll, I'll take that one. Oh, it's a tough one. I, we talked about this last week on the on the on the uh, last episode on the uh, on the player ratings. It's it's you can't compare because. Zatir Musovic hasn't had enough minutes for us to be able to go and say, yeah, she's better than AKB or AKB is better than hers. I, I don't even think that you can even answer this question with either or, right? The default answer would be AKB, but that's only because we've seen her play pretty much like 90% of the game. So it's a tough one. I mean, if, if I if I switch the question on its head and say, who do I think will be the better goalkeeper? Maybe let's say by the end of the season or this time, you know, next year. You maybe want to think that Sachir Mustovic is on the up and AKB is maybe slightly, slowly, slowly, slowly declining with the mistakes that she's making, you know, um, intermittently. But again, it's such a it's such a tough call. I mean, goalkeepers can play till they're like 50 years old, you know, for, for all they want. So <laughs> it's, it's, I hope we've got 50 year old AKB. I can always. But I find this question very difficult to answer because it's, it's just, we've not seen enough of Sachir. What we have seen is just. She she looks a presence. She looks like she can do the job, but I think she needs to be tested more. So it's I don't know if it's a cop out answer, but that's my answer. <laughs> Nick, it, I don't know what is, you feel. It is a cop out answer. Damn it, know. man. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but it's right. I mean, yeah. you can't compare him. If Zajir was better, she'd be starting. I mean, that's just the the long and short of it. I, I goalkeeper is the one position on the on the pitch where there are kind of clearly defined roles to me where it's like yeah you have a number one and then you have your backup and yeah there are times where your backup can come and absolutely blow the doors off of the number one in training and earn that spot and you know that's what you hope good competition does in training uh but i think if if emma was just playing akb out of sentiment we'd all be furious but she's been pretty good this year so i'm not i don't think there's any question there jesse yeah for me akb is totally clear um I think Zachira maybe missed her opportunity. I think there was an opportunity, and I don't know if she quite showed enough. I think there's been signs that there's stuff she's improving on still. You know, I thought against PSG, she looked better at claiming things in the box, which is something that I've kind of worried about her before. There was also, you know, a good save there from the, from the Diani lob to tip that onto the bar. But it's kind of like what Nick said. We don't get to see the goalkeepers play lots of minutes because you can only play one at a time. But in training, it's almost always the opposite. You're always playing small-sided games, things like that. And I just feel like Zachira has had opportunities where she's had runs in the team. And I feel like probably both on the training pitch and in those games themselves, she's never quite convinced enough to truly usurp AKB because, again, like Nick said, Emma's not a sentimental person. Like, she's not playing AKB for the sake of it. I I think she's just clear. Um, 
it'll be interesting, obviously, to see how Zachira feels about that because I feel like maybe by this point she expects it to be number one. Um, and, and maybe that's testament to AKB as well because I feel like she is a player who has been written off again and again throughout her career and I actually think does still carry on improving and she's been able to do lots of cool things as a result. I'm, I'm sure, you know, getting to go to the Euros final with Germany is, is something she never thought she'd get to do because she was so out of the Germany picture for a long time because they're so oh, yeah. stacked goalkeeping-wise. Um, so, yeah, I to me, AKB is... I don't see that changing anytime soon. No. Um, okay, on to the next one. Ola, at cold underscore fashion. This is a really interesting one, I think. Uh, she says, Joanna Britton Canarid, future at Chelsea. Is it bright? Question mark. Which I'm going to kind of surmise and flesh out as, as Nick... What impact do we see Canarid having at Chelsea, not only maybe in the second half of the season, but also kind of ongoing thinking about, you know, the next couple of years as well? Yeah, it's kind of a challenge. Like, she she came in and I think there was a fair amount of excitement because of her performances at the Euros. And then Lauren James showed up and decided to be the most technical player on the team and tear it up and score wonder goals and move the ball effortlessly in possession and track back out of possession and do all the things that, you know, I think Emma had been kind of coiling her up to do for a year and then just let her go. So it's, it's really difficult to know like how the configuration is going to map out. Like we we think we've talked about this a little bit before Abdullah, where we're like, well, do you move Lauren inside to be more of like a central attacker into a 10 role, which then bumps, Fran out of that role and then where does Fran go like it's it's a domino effect kind of because we're so deep in all these positions especially in attack that you move one player around and you're like well where how does Pernil Harder get back into the I don't know uh so yeah I, I don't know um I, I think if there was a period where she got a run of games I'd be really intrigued to see how that went I mean it's clear that she's a different kind of winger to what we have in the squad. She's able to get uh, vertical really quickly. I think she's able to uh, pass uh, in the box pretty effortlessly. I think she's made some good moves this season. I think she's technical on the ball. It's just like, are you going to play her over Lauren right now? And then into the future of Dula? I don't know. I have no earthly idea. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And and I, th- I think Jesse brought this point up last, last, uh, last episode was, J- JRK off the bench and JRK starting two different players almost like she's she's had such a massive impact off the bench that she can stretch teams tired legs go up against them and that's maybe the kind of player that Chelsea need in those last 20-25 minutes right so it's, it's it's good there but I think from from the start maybe it's it's just not clicked yet and and she needs to find a way to possibly find a way past defenders who aren't quote-unquote tired right so I think I think there's that I think I think it's game specific. I really think playing Canarid and playing Lauren James can come down to can come down to the tactics of the game because if you're going to play against a team that's maybe playing a uh you know a not, you know a very attacking fullback, you know, maybe you want uh JRK there to stretch wide, make sure that fullback doesn't go forward and 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 just really keep them back and put them into one-on-ones. Um, with you know, with with Lauren James, maybe you want to play her 
on the right, but then coming inside and overloading the middle because then there's a bit more you know room to play over there. So I already think that that their spot in the team can be very tactically specific, and I think, but I think. Lauren just has a little bit more in terms of an all-roundedness where she can come in, she can go wide. She's technically probably one of the best at the club and it's currently the best, you know, the better one in form. So you start her. But I think with JRK, I think it comes down to the tactic of the team and I think it comes down to just kind of improving her first 30, 40 minutes from the start, you know, because we know what she's going to finish a game is how can she start a game. And, uh, you know, and maybe also one thing that came to my mind just now before I finish is, I think because we're playing a wide winger with Guru on the left-hand side, I think Emma wants that balance of one player coming inside off the right and one staying wide off the left. So if you're playing too wide, you don't get that in you don't get that interior overload that was someone like a Frank Kirby, which is why we've always seen Frank Kirby or someone off the right coming inside and the left side of players always stretching out wide whether it's new Charles Guru right. And so I think that balance really does come into it. Uh, but again, we have to see how who you're playing against and, and the tactics of that game. Listen, I don't think it's deeping on Canada to say that Lauren James's ceiling is just much, much higher. Um, that being said, I think we're going to continue to see them rotate because I think Chelsea will be very wary of, you know, despite Lauren James having looked fit and strong in this first half of the season, she spent basically a year out through injury. You know, that's that's a big chunk of time still. And I think they're going to make sure they want those minutes to be managed. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Canarid. I think, Abdullah, your point about, you know, Guru being out wide and, and Canarid, you know, and therefore James being a, a more, uh, an option to tuck in is, is a really good one. But I also think it'll be interesting to see whether the long-term future of Lauren James is as a 10 rather than out wide. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Penila Harder later on in the episode, but Frank Kirby's not getting any younger um, there is the option there for someone to kind of inherit that more central role. But equally, there are players like Jesse Fleming who might feel like, you know, their future is there too. So I do think it'll be interesting to see whether she develops into a more central role. I, her raw talent is just so ridiculous that technically I feel like you could put her anywhere on the pitch. It's very hard. To, her skill set is so broad. It's very hard to pin down and just say, this player is going to be a winger for the rest of time. Um, I do still wonder if that ball retention that she's got is will become more essential in a more central role to be able to be kind of part of midfield. Um, I'm aware this is a question about Canary, which I'm now predominantly talking about Lauren James, but all of that is to say <laughs> that if that kind of development happens, that does free up a, a space for, for Canary out wide on the right. And I think, I think from what we've seen, Canary feels to me like a player who is despite being older still quite raw but despite you know that her experiences have kind of meant that her decision making still isn't at the level that maybe you need it to be in a Chelsea team and I think that's what we're going to have to watch and see how that develops over the next kind of six to 18 months because I do think there's a lot of ability there. We've seen her show it when she's come off the bench. We've seen her show it for Sweden. And I think she's a really exciting player. And I think she's just she's actually adapted almost better than I thought she would. It just feels like she almost adapted so well initially that then there's now been a bit of a drop-off and it feels weirder. Whereas if she'd kind of come in slowly in the way that Kankovic was injured and like, you know, we didn't see her at first and then she has two good games at the end of... The, everyone's like, oh, Kankovic is going to be amazing. But at the start of... The season that's what we were saying about Canaroid so like I think it's all going to come up in the wash I think she's a really exciting player to have 
All right, we are going to take another quick ad break. And when we come back, we will be diving into some of the more transfer themed uh, sections of this mailbag. Uh, all right. Okay, so yes, silly season is upon us. The January transfer window will be about to open. And we do have quite a lot of questions about uh, transfers, both that could take place in January and, and transfers that might take place in the summer. Um, so we're going to get through a couple of these. Let's start off by talking about Beth England. I mean, this deal seems pretty much done, Nick. Uh, Abdullah and I spoke about it in our last episode. Uh, but obviously then the key question comes up is... Who who comes in for Beth? What are we looking for? Uh, we got a question from Dreadnought saying, since Beth is moving, who else is on the radar? A question from Ishan. In an ideal world, who would be your Beth England replacement? And who do you think is an actual realistic option in January? Um, I'm putting you in charge of Chelsea's transfer policy right now. Uh, who, who are we going after as this second striker? It's a really good question, right? I think you... You probably look internally first, right? And, and I know this will, we'll, we'll talk about Pernilla harder in a second, but I, I think if healthy, that you're, you're fine at that position this year, probably. But if not, then you might have to start looking around a little bit. Um, that's first. Um, second, we know that Fran has played up top with Sam Kerr before. Um, it was a little bit of a different formation. So I think that might require a little bit of tinkering, but that could always be an option. I think the type of profile of player I'm looking at, and I'll, I'll let Abdullah espouse on who this this might actually be, is someone that has the abilities that Beth showed in the air, and I think someone who is maybe a little bit more dynamic in the counterattack um, than, than Beth. I think if you play a possession game, Beth is really an interesting option because she can hold the ball, she can pass, she can get into good shooting positions, and she scored a lot of goals for Chelsea that way. I think in the way that we're playing today, probably not the most dynamic option that we have, and it would require someone with the ability to stretch the defense a little bit more, still has some good aerial ability, but maybe someone who's who's playing kind of a, a false second striker kind of role. Uh, Abdullah, that's kind of who I'd be looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad shout. I think I think I, I agree with you there. Um, I think one of the things that I thought Beth brought to the team was this mixture of someone who could both, like you said, I think I think link with the midfield, link play, but I thought she was also really, really good in the air. Uh, I thought that was one of the things that Beth brought in that, that, that maybe the, uh, you know, Sam, I mean, Sam is really good in the air, don't get me wrong, but Beth felt a little bit more like a target striker than, than Sam did. Sam was a bit more off the shoulder. So maybe with someone who can both complement Sam Kerr and also bring something different, so has maybe like a bit, a bit of a different skill set. I mean, I'm trying to think of some. I'm trying to think of a couple of names. There's a couple of strikers in mid-table clubs and other around the world that I think could could be a good shot. I mean, you've got um, Mathilde Bordeaux from 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 Paris FC. I think she's she's a pretty good striker. I think will will come good in a in a few in a couple of years. So there's an option there. I think I brought up Lara Prasnikov from Eintracht Frankfurt last week as well as, as another as another name that I think could could do a job. I think she has like fifty goals and like seventy or eighty appearances for Frankfurt, something like that, like some ridiculous ratio, which is good. So I think there are some less obvious names out that the Chelsea need to go in that can go and find because I I think right now there is a I don't want to say a shortage of strike strikers in the world, but I think there's a shortage of like top quality obvious strikers in the world but you know but at the same time you've got to convince this player to come in and play second fiddle to Samka because 
you basically got to go tell them, hey, uh, can you join? Okay, cool. Will I play? Yeah, you will. Just, you know, wait 20 minutes here and then the odds start because Samka is probably one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the world right now. So it's it's a tough job when you have someone who's really good. But like you said, if Penela is fit, you basically don't have to worry for the next six months and you can maybe continue scouting and, and looking for somebody. But um, but yeah, no, I, I would I would maybe start looking at some some of the you know mid to top mid to you know just above that level in maybe France or Germany and and maybe try and find somebody from there to bring in because uh, you know there is some talent out there to be found that that other teams haven't found yet that isn't as obvious. Yeah, I definitely think there's a number of interesting factors around this. I think the first thing is that Chelsea have been turning down offers for Beth like for a number of transfer windows. So they've decided to let her go because the price is right and they're ready. You know, there was no need to. There was plenty of time left on her contract. Um, I feel like this is a move. This isn't, you know, a case where a player has been prized out from under the club and it's now panic stations. I feel like we'll either see someone come in in January or if not, it'll be because the club knows there's a target they're going to get in the summer to fill that role. I think the other thing that's interesting here is that because of Sam Kerr's age, there is the opportunity, I think, for a young player to come in and say, realistically, Chelsea do rotate a lot more than some other big clubs do. You know, I think if you look at Man City, you look at Arsenal, they're very settled 11s. Whereas even in the number of minutes, Beth, I know people complain about like the minutes Beth England played. But it, you're still talking about, you know, 10 to 15 games a season. Like, for a younger player, that's really not that bad if you're talking about getting to start up front for Chelsea. And as Abdullah said, I think there are... there's Chelsea aren't going to go out and get, like, an Ada Hegerberg, obviously, because she's not going to compete with Sam Kerr. But there are plenty of players in the, like, under-23 age group who are really promising and who aren't necessarily expecting to get loads of minutes at you know, top tier Champions League club immediately because that's crazy. You know, obviously one player Chelsea have been linked to is Romy Leutzer, for example. You know, she's been playing at Ajax. Like, she will need time to adjust wherever she goes to a bigger league, to a bigger step up. She might be a kind of player who thinks, okay, yeah, for the next season, two seasons, I don't mind taking a cut in minutes because that's going to get me to the next level and then Sam Kerr's not going to play up front for Chelsea forever and I'm kind of ready in there and have shown the club what I can do. That feels like a win-win situation and, you know, Leuchter's the name that's been linked, but yeah, like Abdullah says, there's a number of players in that kind of age bracket, in that kind of talent bracket, who I think would be reasonable for Chelsea to go after. Um, I think it's going to be a really a really interesting one to, to see who they pursue. Um, two other players, uh, Nick, who I guess get talked about a lot and we've seen a rash of contract extensions uh this this half of the season and maybe they're now the glaring uh obvious too is Penila Harder and Magda Eriksson um obviously lots of talk around whether they stay whether they'll stay or not I think I just want to move the conversation on slightly around that um we have had a question from Clayton about whether they'll stay but to ask does it matter if they stay yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting, and I think you you brought up earlier that you know, most of Chelsea's first team is out of contract soon, so getting some of these deals done is is quite important. That's why you've kind of seen the flurry of extensions and stuff like that. Um, it's it really depends on where Emma wants to take the team, right? I mean, I think there's no doubt in my mind that they have staying power. 
uh, at Chelsea. I mean, that's your captain and uh, one of the best attackers in the world that we're talking about. Um, so, you know, in, in that regard, I think most Chelsea fans would like them to stay. Um, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better captain representative than, than Magda's been over the last few years, which have been really difficult years. Um, she's uh, just been an extremely accomplished captain and I think handled a lot of difficult situations with class and grace. And that's just something that's really hard to do. You don't find that in a lot of people. Um, so in that, you know, from a personal perspective, I think there's a lot to gain by, by keeping them around. Uh, from a playing perspective, Pranella has been up and down, obviously injured right now. We'll see kind of what the, the timetable is for her return. Magda feels like the third best center back we have right now. Um, from a, just a playing perspective, and even though she's the captain, I think there's been real effort this year to figure out, like, how do you fit those three pieces together appropriately, um, whether that's in a three-back or in a four-back with, with Magda kind of playing out left. So, uh, you know, if it were up to me, I would try and extend them both, Abdullah, but I, I know that there are there could be new challenges out there that they want to take on as a, as a team together. Yeah, um, I think I think Magda in particular has been there for a while, and 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 it's I think it's it's been said before that they they like they want to go together. So I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a chance that they could leave, but I think like you said, I think I think the impact of these two not being there, I think I think the club will, I think the club either already know or they're gonna they they probably would have set a deadline to them saying that look, we need to know by this date because then we need to forward plan, and I think I think. The caliber of those players, I think they already know. And so whatever it is, the club are preparing for it, whether it is of them staying or whether it's for them, you know, finding finding their replacements. But, you know, I think it's goes without saying that that their impact on this team over the last several years has been undeniable. I think Magda, like you said, is such a huge role model. Um, you know, that 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 epitome of the captain of that team. And, you know, she's just got this really, you know, high i don't know how to say it like this she's got this aura about her that's just that just screams like leadership and like power i don't know i don't know how else to say it she's got this look and and i think you, you you'll miss a lot of that on the pitch if, if she were to go so yeah i, I think i think chelsea will, will will miss them if they are to go but you know here's hoping they uh they do resign and, and we just hear about it before in the next episode because it seems like every episode we're having contract extensions to talk about before we start so yeah let's hope it's it's one of them soon yeah, I definitely think there's no question that the club want them to stay and that there will be an offer on the table. But I think, you know, we've seen that women's football is a very fast-moving market and I think there are a number of clubs out there who could really benefit from players like Magda and Panila, perhaps more so than even Chelsea could. I think there's also stuff to take into account around both their ages, around both their injury records, to be totally honest, as well. And to that extent, I feel a bit like Obviously, it would be sad to see them both leave if they did go. And I think especially Magda, that would be a real blow because, as Nick said, in terms of her leadership, in terms of how, you know, she's kind of really been the, the face of the club as it's become one of the best in Europe. Um, the way she obviously dealt with the, the change in ownership as well, I think, was was handled really impressively. That, that element of stuff is really hard to replace. But I think in terms of the footballing element, Aside from the fact that these are two obviously high quality players and no one wants to see players of this quality leave, Chelsea are still in better positions. And, you know, I think 
generally, if I took the aura around the two of them out of it, I wouldn't feel worried. That isn't to say I want them to go. Like, I would obviously like them to stay. But if that is what they want to do, I don't look at next season and feel freaked out, whether that's because Kadisha's already come in, whether that's because, as we said, Neve Charles has gone to a good level and, you know, she's someone who can play at left back. Whether that's the fact that we're basically playing half the season every season without Penelope Harder because she's injured all the time. You know, all of these are factors which I think make me feel less concerned around what might happen. I think, obviously, the win-win situation is they stay and they're healthy and they're great assets to the team. But if they were to move on, I feel like it'd be a situation where I think both club and player could kind of, like, shake hands and say, wish you the best. This is something that's not awful for, for either of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, let's just finish off then with one unfootball-related question, which I really enjoyed. Uh, RM asking... What are your top three favourite Chelsea women chants, general slash players, excluding the liquidator? Which I feel like wouldn't count because it's a general Chelsea chant. I figure we've got, we can pick one each, basically, on this one. So, Abdullah, I don't know if you want to go first, if you've got a, a favourite Chelsea chant. I actually don't. I'm going to defer this to Nick first because I'm actually blanking completely. I... I considering the fact that i have never been to a game i live a few thousand miles away i actually am going to admit the fact that i don't know very many so i can't even pick one for the life of me so nick i'm gonna let you go first and i'm gonna think of an answer there you go all right also i want to take this as an opportunity before i'll jump in before nick to say that's uh chelsea twitter that's your um hint to start teaching abdullah some some uh, so every week comes up next he's ready hit, song, hit song practice let's go we're gonna do some live videos twitter. we're gonna crank him up <laughs> hit me up on twitter we'll go for it <laughs> Well, I, I think our, our contract uh, extension uh, at, at the beginning of the channel or beginning of the, the pod today, I should say, is, is probably mine. I love Sophie Englechamp. Uh, she's been around for a really long time. I think the fans really love her um, as well. And I know that she does a lot, um, especially after games, to go over and big up with the Chelsea Women Supporters Group and, and all those guys as well. So, Sophie Engel, it's your day. I'm giving you the award for best chant. Oh, that's an extra. That probably means more to her than the OBE, I reckon. Uh, it, it certainly has the same amount of staying power from me, anyway. So. <laughs> I would have to go with Gurus, just because oh, I think... That's nice, yeah. It, it's one, it's like one of the most unique ones. Like, I think no one comes close. Secondly, I love a chant that's like long. I feel like sometimes it doesn't get as much airtime as a result. But I enjoy the fact that the, the level of detail, the rhyming, the quality there. You know, you have to work harder to get all those words into the, the song. And thirdly, the fact that Emma Hayes and Denise Reddy once released a video of them singing it. That is when it went into, like, <laughs> iconic status for me. Uh, oh, so, yeah, wow. Guru's Chant is, is my favourite. And I regularly uh, start it with other people who aren't Chelsea fans. And they've got no idea what I'm going on about. So that's fun, too. We need to get Barbara Sharon on the case here. She, Barbara Sharon, Chelsea board member, was on the famous CFC pod this week. I didn't know this, but she produced Blue Day back in the in, in 1997. Strong, uh, yeah. And I was like, well, now, now why are we not doing music videos every week? Like, we really got to be doing more with this empire that we have. So let's let's get out there. Let's do a few more, Barbara. Come on. 
Yeah, let's. I I'm looking forward to the the Chelsea Women Christmas single for 2023. That can be oh, yes. our, new, our New Year's resolution for yes. the, the club. That's what I want to see in 12 months time. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, Nick, that that segues very nicely into what I was going to ask you as we wrap up the show. You guys are doing so much cool stuff on the other channel. Obviously, what should people be going to to listen to from London is Blue if they're just you know stuck in all the blue royalty stuff over here? Yeah, so so jump on over, jump back and forth. Um, we are entering silly season over there too. So we've had lots of transfer profiles. So CFC Central, uh, better known as Sam, uh, has been doing a tremendous amount of work. I think he said he's watched 250 matches in the last month. I saw that. Crazy. What? <laughs> he's just nuts. I mean, this he's amazing. He's just nuts, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so he's been doing uh, a ton of work over there. He has an Enzo Fernandez profile, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, that could be poignant here coming up. And uh, we also had Barbara Sharon, Chelsea board member. I think first Chelsea board member to appear on a podcast was was ours on uh, on Thursday. So you should join uh, join in on that. Uh, and then, yeah, look, I mean, we're, we're back into the Premier League. We're back into Cups. January is a, a bonkers month. So we usually put out a, a tweet on our main channel, um, just kind of sharing what the upcoming schedule is going to look like. So get stuck in over there. Matt Law specials. We're, we're, we're ready. January's big month. Non-stop good stuff going on on, on both sides of the London is Blue channels. Uh, as always, you can rate, review, shout about us if you're enjoying our content. We've got lots of cool stuff, I think, before the WSL returns. Abdullah and I are going to look at doing a draft episode because I know Abdullah loves that stuff. Yes. Come on. Um, <laughs> A little bit of a deep dive on some of our rivals, I think, coming up too. Um, but yeah, definitely no reason to, to go away, even though there's no Chelsea women playing football until the 15th of January. Um, but guys, thank you for, for joining for this little mailbag episode. Um, it's been a fantastic 2022 with you two. So much good stuff's happened this year and it's only going to get better. We're really at the end. Like usually yeah. you record these like three weeks in advance. Like, boy, what a great 2022. <laughs> was. No, it's today. We're <laughs> it's over. So uh yeah, me, on, on to away. better things. <laughs> two hours <laughs> away. Abdullah's basically yeah, ready to start away. the countdown. I know, right? <laughs> Here we are. All right. Well, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, until we're back, you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Keep the blue flag flying high.